I'm glad to see you all this morning. The faithful that dwell in the land. Um, so I have this um, red candle, red waxless, dripless candle that sits in my office. And so there have been uh, a number of mornings that I have just gone in early. I've woken up and just gone in early, didn't turn on any lights, lit the candle and just sat there and kind of watched the candle and thought about things. And um, you can really learn a lot from a candle if you give it time to speak to you. <laughs> yeah, we're going we're gonna to get to that here in just a minute. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I, I looked up one time and I, looked, I said, wow, there's, there's a, like a little circle around the flame. You know, this is, uh, it's totally black in my office. There's a little circle around the flame. And I, I, so I looked at it and it's like, oh my goodness, you could see the colors of the spectrum in the circle. It just went out from yellow all, all the way out. And, I'm, and so I, I got up and I walked away and the circle just kept getting bigger. I thought, this is really amazing. I said, well, what if I stand over here like this and look at in then I realized it's actually a sphere and there's a light in the middle. Well, what do you think I thought about? Jesus. And Lord, this is amazing, you know. And then one morning I blew the candle out and I was that close and, you know, there's smoke. That I said, wow, that's kind of like maybe like a, the prayer of incense going. And so... I just challenge you sometime, get up early, light a candle, see what God speaks to you about. <laughs> it really is, a, it really was a, a blessed time. So uh, we're going to light these candles. Um, you know, we, we do this every year and uh, it's a good reminder. Um, each candle stands for something. One candle stands for hope and one for peace and one for joy and one for love. And then there's this, Big white candle sitting in the middle. That some I don't, I'm some some years I don't think we light it because it's just so far away from when Christmas was. The 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 Advent wreath doesn't come back, but it did come back this year, and it's just the day after Christmas. And so you know what? We're going to light the Christ candle first. Right. We're really going to be unorthodox this morning because for Christ is Christ is risen. I mean, he's here, you know, he's come down among us. And so what what we've done is we've looked and, and participated with the um, the people that were born before Christ came to earth. They had hope in a promise. God had spoken a promise through his prophets and they held on to that promise and they had that promise. They believed it to bring them peace. They believed it for love. They believed it for joy. But we're looking backwards at that. And we have this great assurance of the, that the promise has come. And so this morning I thought, why don't we just do it all backwards? And so um I was kind of thinking it might be nice for like a little child like Claire to come up and light the Christ candle. Maybe you could come up and help her. Clara, we need you. You and your wings, come forth. (laughs) 
Do it now? Yeah, let's light. The other candles represent something that comes forth from a promise and a person. But this candle represents Christ himself. Thank you, Clara. Now, if you get tired of listening to Scripture this morning, just look at the candle and let the Lord speak to you about something. I think um, the shortest candle, Slava, you spoke about hope. Why don't you come up and light? The shortest? The shortest, right. You're the last person to light. You're the first person to light it. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you for sharing this year with us. The peace people. Y'all want to do rock, paper, scissors? Or do you, one of you want to just come up? <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. Peace people. That's pretty good moment. Yeah. Brandon and Anastasia aren't here, but Pat is here, so we'll let her represent joy. Let's see. It should. Pull the thumb back and trigger it. Oh, yeah, I think it's. Thanks, Can you stick your finger in there? Oh, it, I've got to hold it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just fire it like a like your like all the guns you had when you were little. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing Pat, she probably had a truck and a gun, right? Yeah. <laughs> I did have a four ten. <laughs> <laughs> now, <clears throat> this last candle of love, you know, I there. Who would like to light that? I was thinking when we were singing that last song, you know, the uh, Vianney and Amanda are not here, but I could ask anybody that's re- really felt the love of God could come up, but then it'd get crowded. So <laughs> who would like to light the love candle? Simon, come up. Wait, it in there a little bit. Rotate it. Is it hard to find? Yeah, it's hard to find. Try that. Is it hard to. Yeah. There you go. I thought there was like a pullback thing. You You got it. But you know, we still have hope, don't we? Because the baby that came has risen from the dead and he's made a promise. And if I go away... I will return. And so we're hopeful for that. And we have left with us a peace that he bought 
for us. A joy that He's given us. What kind of joy is it, Bill, He gave us? Great joy. And a love. And so we, in turn, turn around just like the, the people before Christ. And we walk in that same place with Him. You know, as I've kind of thought about this whole season, this particular year, um, it's really interesting to me how God, the story of the Bible is the greatest story ever told. And, you know, it wasn't made up on the fly. He knew the, he knew the end from the beginning when he started. And I think the more that I read the Bible, the more I see the, the purposefulness of exactly what um, he was about. And so we're going to look at um, the very beginning Genesis 1-3. You don't need a, a, it's just one verse I'm going to read, so, of many, of many verses. So, yeah, this morning I thought, man, you know, I, I don't have this great story to tell. I'm just going to be reading Bible verses. And I thought to myself, why should I be apologizing for reading the Word of God? You know, there were, there was a, at one time they stood before, for, for the whole morning while the scriptures were read. You know, so um, I'm not apologizing. This is the amazing word of God that is living and active. And there's something today that will take root in each of our hearts. So I'm giving the Lord many opportunities with many verses. Um, Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And evening passed and morning came. That's enough to think about right there. He separated the light from the day, but then it says an evening came and morning. Evening passed and morning came, making the first day. I thought about this verse and I was thinking, you know, even in that very first act after the spirit had brooded over the waters and and God made this statement about the first day, he was already foreshadowing what he was going to be about for the rest of the story. And, um, you know, this was the first visible thing he gave us to begin to understand who he is was that there would be light. Um, And then I thought, you know what? I think the Bible said that the world was formed through his son. So I started looking up some verses. And Colossians 1.15 starts out this way. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things we can't see. 
such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything that was created through him, everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. So, when God says, let there be light, there was light. And that light was the light of Christ even then. In, the, in John 1, it says this, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. So even in the beginning, we can see that God began to separate light from darkness. And it kind of foreshadowed his work among the nations and the peoples. You know, one of the examples that came to mind as I was thinking about this was the burning bush. There was a bush that was burning and it wasn't consumed. And it was where God revealed himself to Moses. It was the, it was the beginning of the understanding or the light of revelation for Moses of who this God was. Because... Moses, as you know, he grew up in the Egyptian culture. He knew everything about the Egyptian gods. That's the culture he grew up in. And he probably had heard about the God of the Israelites. Um, but here in this moment, he met him. God decided, now is the time for me to reveal myself to this man because I have a high call on his life. So Moses returns to Egypt to walk out the call God had given him. As you remember, one of the plagues on the Egyptians was darkness for three days. Um, the, one of the main gods of the Egyptians was the sun god. They sacrificed to that god every day in order to make sure their god rose up the next day to bless them. And then what happens? God begins to try to reveal to them the same thing, that He is really the only true God. There is no power stronger than the God of the Israelites. And so, three days of darkness. I can't imagine what that must have been like when they made their sacrifice and the sun god of Egypt didn't come up. I wonder if they doubled or tripled the sacrifice the next day, only to find out the same thing. Um, did it change Pharaoh's mind? Simon says no. You've been reading your Bible, haven't you? Yeah. It didn't. Three times. Three days. No, no, no. Um, it's, it's interesting as you as you follow these things through um, and you see 
There, there is God separating light from darkness. The understanding of who he is for those that would believe and, and those that would not. Exodus goes on, it says this, you know, as he began to deliver these people. It says, then the angel of God in Exodus 14, 19, and 20, it says this, then the angel of God, this is when they're on the banks of the Jordan and the armies of Pharaoh are hard charging towards them. It says, then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side, so that neither went near the other all night long. So this cloud that stood between them stood between a people of darkness and a people that was beginning to be revealed to them who the one true God is. Um, He was separating his people even with this at this particular time. You, You know, and that's what he has to do for all of us. We all have to be brought out of Egypt. We all are, um, in the darkness until he so reveals himself to us. Um, Because it tells us in Romans that none seek God, none seek God, not even one. And so God began to form these people into a nation. And the prophets began to speak of a Messiah that would come. And he would bring further and greater understanding of who this God was and what God's ways were. And so the one prophecy I wanted to read is one that's extremely familiar to us all. It's the one out of Isaiah 9. It's one of the Christmas verses. And it goes like this. Isaiah 9, beginning in verse 1. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You will multiply the nation. You will increase their joy. They will rejoice in your presence. As with the joy of harvest, as people rejoice when they divide the spoils. And so it's interesting to me here, um, one of the promises that that, um, this light is going to increase their joy. And then um, this particular prophecy gives two examples of how what that joy will be like. It's not the same, but it will be like um, the joy of harvest time. Now, we're not too agricultural here, so we don't understand exactly what that means. But um, if you've ever been a farmer and you have a bad year, um, you know what the joy of having a good year is like, especially when prices and yield can both be the same. That can be great joy, at least on a temporal way, until next year. But these are the examples he gives, trying to help us understand what this joy, this joy is going to be like. It's going to be like that kind of joy, the joy of a harvest, or the, or the joy of dividing the spoil, of winning, winning stuff, you know. 
But we can kind of relate to those kind of things. But this is a greater joy than that. It goes on and it says this, For you will break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor as the battle of Midian. For every boot of the marching warrior in the roar of battle and the cloak rolled in blood will be for the burning, fuel for the fire. Well, how is he going to break that yoke? How are these things of war going to be just done away with? Well, verse 6 says, For a child will be born unto us. A son will be given to us. And I like this part because I really have to look around the world and this is, this is how I stay um, encouraged, I guess I should say. And the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. Do y'all see that in the world today? It's by faith, isn't it? The evidence of things not seen every day. No right in balance. No right in balance. It's just believing his, the increase of his government will be no end. Or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. From then on and, I like this part, forevermore. Forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of of the armies will accomplish this. So be encouraged. His kingdom's increasing. And be encouraged that we're a part of that kingdom. So... So this whole prophecy thing continues even in the New Testament. Um, uh, Zechariah has a, 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 the last half of the prophecy I'm going to read here, starting in verse 76 of Luke 1. Zechariah, speaking of his own son, and you, child, also will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise from on high will visit us to shine on those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. Okay, Carla, this is for you. Here's, here's the thing I've discovered this year. Okay. <laughs> um, this this particular phrase with which the sunrise on high will visit us. Sunrise is, is, is capitalized, at least in my Bible it's capitalized, with which the sunrise on high will visit us. It really is a reference back to the fourth chapter of Malachi where it says, For those who fear my name... The sun, S-U-N, the sun of righteousness, will rise with healing in its wings. And for those that believe, you will go about and skip like calves from the stall. Sounds like joy again to me. Yeah. (laughs) So 
I see this kind of now. It's a it's a reference back to the Son of Righteousness who who brings healing in His wings, you know, gives us the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sin. Um, it's interesting that now still in Rome, guess who one of their God, son their God is? The deity is still the Son. It's still the Son. That is the God of Rome. Um, it's a soul. I can't remember what the last name is, but it and it stays that way through the third century. Soul Invictus, and they they have a pagan uh, ce- celebration for them at the winter solstice, which is this week of this past week that we've had. And so it's almost to me like Zechariah has this play on words as as this particular. Um, God of Rome that, you know, rules over all things, this sun God, he is declaring who the real sun is. There is a sunrise, and that's the sun that's come down from on high, way higher than the sun, (laughs) way higher than the sun. The sunrise on high will visit us in this prophecy. Um, so to me, it's just I, it's just been really interesting to to see how this all has come together. Um, December the twenty fifth was chosen in the fourth century by the strategically by the Pope as a way of trying to combat this pagan celebration of of the return of the sun from the shortest day to now the sun will get longer and longer each day. Um, and to try to help the, those that believe in Christ to, to embrace, you know, Christianity during this time of celebration. So all these things, when you read about how all, all the things that we we use to celebrate and remind us of things like the Christmas tree and lights and things like that, that you read and people say, you know, you're just borrowing that from a pagan festival. Well, yes, we are. But it has a brand new meaning. <laughs> so take that. You know, and so the that date was picked, although nobody really believes that Jesus was born in that part of the year, um, as as just in a a way of combating this pagan festival of of the sun, of the winter solstice. And so we should celebrate with great zeal uh the sunrise that came from on high. Um, you know, um, John continues uh, in the first chapter saying this about G- uh, Jesus. He says in John 4, 1, 4, the word gave life to everything that was created. And his life, Christ's life, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. But he came to separate the light from darkness for those that would believe. It's interesting because uh, if, as you continue to read in the New Testament, you come to this place in the 8th chapter of John where Jesus says one of the 
seven I am's. Bill has taught on that in Crossway. It's the second one that he said after I am the bread of life. He, he said, Jesus spoke to the people in John eight twelve. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. You know, I thought about this. I said, you know, what would it be like, not as a punishment, but as an encouragement? You know, I, they don't do this anymore, but you used to have to write on the board things. If you misbehaved, you'd have to write it like a hundred times on the board, which is really hard for me because I write down this way on my paper. <laughs> but um, what if you said Jesus is the light of the world 50 times? Every time you said it, you took it inside. Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. I think at some point there would be another flame that would burst in our hearts. And there, you just kind of walk out in a newfound conviction. Jesus is the light of the world, people. You know? It'd give us a confidence about what we believe, what we know to be true. And um, so try it. I haven't done 50 times yet, but three or four was enough to get me started. Like, yeah, you know, Jesus really is the light of the world. Paul tells us, why should we be ashamed of the gospel, the good news, you know? Um, And so he goes on in, um, it's interesting to me because He goes on in the very next chapter. And what's the next miracle that Jesus performs after he tells the world that he's the light of the world? He heals a man born blind from birth. Now that's power. They'd never seen anything like it. They'd never seen anything like this. Nobody's ever done this before. And so they ask, well, why was this man like this? Was it his sin? Or was it the sin of his mother and dad? And Jesus says, no. It's to show the power of God. God can take anybody that's in the dark, that's blind, and cause them to see. He can cause them to see. And it's... If we believe he's the light of the world and he has the power to do that, then it's kind of hard to look at somebody saying they're beyond hope. Jesus can't do anything with that guy. (laughs) Absolutely, he can. Absolutely, he can. He is the light of the world. And he goes on, you know, and he says, but while I am here in this same story about the blindness says, but while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. And yet, if you go back and start reading the Bible, way back in the Sermon of the Mount, he begins to lay out what it's going to be like for those that believe in him. What will characterize their life and, and, and what they're going to be about. Because it says this in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. 
but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. That's why we invite people over for dinner, right, Greg? So that I can fix something. <laughs> your light must shine before people in such a way that you may they may see your good deeds and glorify you. Now glorify your Father which is in heaven. Um, and so Jesus has he's done his part. He's resurrected and now we're the we're the light of the world. He uses people and his word and he uses dreams now. But the main thing he uses is his people and their their life, the light of their life to draw them in and say, what is it about you that makes you act that way in this hard situation makes you be so happy when this has happened and that's the door that opens for every one of us well let me tell you you know I was out um, this is the last thing I was out I can't remember this is how good my memory is don't remember if it was Thursday evening or Friday evening but the sunset was glorious. Which night was it? Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. Yeah, I had been cooking a turkey outside all day. And so I came back out. And I thought, oh my, I just about missed it. Because it doesn't wait around for you. you you've got to see it when it's there. Um, and the sky was just this brilliant red. you know. And I looked up and for a moment my heart lifted up and then at the same time I just felt this heaviness come over me it's like I thought about Penny I thought and then I began to think about all these people whose Christmas plans were just blown up people that are sick people that have you know lost their loved one and they're walking through this and and just the people with COVID and stuff and and I just I just looked up and I had read I'd read this psalm earlier in the thing and and the psalm says this it says many are saying who will show us anything good and I thought Lord I mean I just looked straight through those clouds I thought there's a lot of people asking that question now who will show us anything good I also knew the last half of the psalm which made me smile because it says this. Lift up the light of your countenance, your face upon us, Lord. I thought, yeah, that's what people need to see. They need to see the face of Christ. Not any, not just anything. It's it's the most amazing thing we could be, that could be revealed to us. This light of Christ that's taken us out of darkness, but there are still others that are yet in the dark. And so, you know, as I, I lifted up that prayer, I thought, this is what we need. So many people are in such hard places and are weary. It's a weary time in the world today. And many people ask that question, who show me something good? And so the prayer is that, you know, the Lord would lift up the light of his face upon people in this time. And I think a part of the reason it's extended is a lot of people are just stubborn and they're they're just haven't gotten to the end of themselves and he's just waiting. He's just waiting to burst forth and them turn 
and see him for who he is. So, you know, the light of the gospel is still today for all men. It's because here in the darkness, there has already come this great light, but it may not have come to just everyone yet. The Savior has come. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, as John has told us. And so for those that see a great light, he also promises great joy. And so my prayer for us today is, uh, Lord, fill us anew with the light of your presence. Let's pray. That's what we ask for, Father, your presence. I mean, how can we go out into the world, Lord? We can be just like Moses. He said, we can't go up into the promised land if you're not going to go with us. So, Lord, we ask for the light of your presence as we go out into the, a watching world for a new year, another opportunity, Father. I just pray, Father, that the, the light of our works would draw people unto you. And, Father, we would not take that glory to ourselves, but we would point to you. Your message of hope, your good news about Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, that you've separated us from the darkness and called us into your marvelous light. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Light of the world, step down into darkness. Open our eyes that we may see. I have that song.